Well, we are in Isaiah chapter 58 this morning. And Isaiah 58, um, I've preached out of it before. And as I was reading it, I was like, well, Lord, what's going to be new? <laughs> and I, I kind of had the sense in my heart that there's nothing new under the sun. It's just the same stuff. You just have to say the same thing. But as I was reading it and meditating on it, I just, I was reminded of so many different stories out of the scripture. And it just, I just, I was overwhelmed almost. I mean, I literally was like, okay, God, I could go this way or I could go that way or I could talk about this or I could talk about this. And what I have sensed as I've been quiet before the Lord and asked him what he wants me to say to you, because I do that every week. I, I, I pray, Father, what it is it, what is it that you want your people to hear this week? And what I heard the Lord say to me was, first of all, just read my word to my children. Just read it. Let them hear me speak through my word. And then I have a couple other passages that we're going to look at. And then we're just going to chew on this for a little bit. And it may be that you share from your heart. I'm not sure yet. And then I know how I want to wrap this up. So we're in Isaiah chapter 58. There are only 14 verses. And uh, follow along. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. Cry aloud. Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression. To the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. As if they were a nation that did righteousness. And did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments, and they delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted, and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure, and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel, and to fight, and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness? To undo the straps of the yoke. To let the oppressed go free. To break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? And bring the homeless poor into your house. When you see... The, wow. Help me. <laughs> that was an arrow right there. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into your house? When, when you, oh man. When you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh, then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. 
Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desires of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water. Excuse me. Yeah, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall rise up, raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you will take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The bookends in this scripture Isaiah 58, verses 1 through 14. The bookends are, declare with a loud voice. Don't pull any punches, Isaiah. You tell these people of mine what they need to hear. And the last thing that Isaiah 58 says is, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So what that would say to me is what's in between these bookends is pretty significant. And it should behoove all of us to spend significant time masticating on these truths, chewing on them getting all of the marrow out of the bone and doing all that. So my recommendation to you is that you mark this spot in your Bible and that you go home this week and whenever God gives you the time to spend with Him, you open up Isaiah 58 and you chew on these words. You saw what the Holy Spirit did to me just a few minutes ago in verse 7. It's not going away. <laughs> And I'll talk about it maybe if I can in a few minutes. But there's stuff in here for you. It's not same old, same old. It's not the same story over again. It, it is fresh, alive, new. The, book, the, the, the New Testament says the word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. Dividing even the, the, the bone from the marrow, the sword from the, the soul from the spirit. When you read God's word, he speaks to you in ways that no one else can. And he communicates truths to you that are 
desperately needed by you if you take the time to hear. Now, there's a couple, three things that I want to point us to scripture-wise before we get into any other discussion about this, and that's this one. If you look, and you don't need to turn here just because these are very familiar stories. If you were to turn into 1 Samuel, I believe it's chapter 3, you read a story, it might be chapter 1, but I think it's chapter 3. You read a story about a little boy. A little boy who was given in answer to a desperate prayer. A mother who was, a woman who was barren, desperately prayed in the tabernacle of God that God would hear her prayers and open her womb and allow her to conceive a child, which is exactly what God did. And as a result of that, this woman then gave that child back to God, literally bringing the child when he was weaned back to the tabernacle and turning him over to the priest saying, raise him as a man of God. And then God opened her womb further and she had father children. And this boy that was given to God was a man named Samuel. And there's a story about Samuel when he's a little kid laying down at night in the tabernacle and everyone's laying down and all of a sudden Samuel hears somebody go, Samuel. And so Samuel, the innocent little boy who has not received any training yet, any spiritual training, goes running to Eli, his his boss, his his caretaker, and he says, I'm here, what do you need? And he goes, I didn't call you, go back to bed. Samuel gets up and runs to Eli. I'm here. What, what did you need? What, did you, what are you talking about? I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And it says that Eli all of a sudden goes, oh, maybe it's God that's calling him. Because you see, God didn't talk to people a lot at that time because they weren't listening. But Samuel, I mean, Eli finally instructs Samuel and he says to him, this time when you hear the voice, if you hear the voice again, Lay where you're at. Just be quiet and say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And so Samuel, following the spiritual direction, the spiritual instruction that he's received from his elder, he lays there and he says, speak, Lord, for the, the your servant is listening. And God then gives Samuel his very first prophetic um, words of knowledge. And then you know the rest of the story. Now, let's move on to later on in Samuel's life. Samuel's now... A prophet in his own right. He's now the leader of the people of, it, of, uh, of Israel. And they're demanding a king. And Samuel's not happy about it. But God says, get him a king. So he anoints Saul of Tarsus. Not Saul of Tarsus. Saul, um, the Benjamin. And so he goes and he becomes the king. And then in, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, there's an instruction specifically given by Samuel to Saul to go and kill and destroy to harem, that's the Hebrew word for total destruction, devoted to the Lord, the Amalekites. From the king all the way down to the lowest. Don't spare any money. No people, no livestock, nothing. Samuel shows up after the battle and King Saul goes, I've done what the Lord has commanded me. And Samuel says, well, if you did what God commanded you, why am I hearing sheep bleeding? Well, 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 well we, we kept the best of it because we wanted to uh, worship the Lord by offering sacrifices. And Saul, Samuel turns to Saul and he says, Is the Lord pleased with sacrifices? Or is he pleased when his people 
follow him and do what he tells him to do. Obedience is much better than sacrifice. Another story. Jesus tells a parable in Luke chapter 18. Jesus is saying to the people, to his disciples, there once upon a time was a publican and a a tax collector and a Pharisee. And they were both in the time of prayer at at the temple area. And the Pharisee is standing very proudly in the time of prayer and saying, Oh God, out loud, Oh God, I thank you, God, that I give a tenth of all of my income and that I serve you and I love you and I keep myself pure, not like this tax collector over here. And the tax collector, Jesus said, won't even raise his eyes to heaven, but keeps himself bowed down and is beating his breast saying, Oh God, please forgive me. I'm a sinner. Oh God, please forgive me. I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy of anything. God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. And Jesus' words to his disciples were, Which one of these two left the place of prayer justified in God's eyes? You know the rest. I have on the screen up here, James chapter 1, verse 27. James wrote to the church, which then became canon, scripture, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Why did I tell us all of these stories? Why did I tell us all of this after reading Isaiah chapter 58? Because the whole message of Isaiah 58 is this. God doesn't care how religious you are. Quite honestly, God finds religiosity kind of a stench. Yes, if your worship or your religious practice comes from your heart as an expression of your love for God, that's one thing. But if your religious practice is simply religious practice, God finds that abhorrent and has called it down in these verses, which you can take the time this this week to study and to look at. I can remember as a child there was a horrible movie that came out back in the 19, late 60s, might have been early 70s, but I think it was the late 60s. It was a movie called The Exorcist. I wasn't allowed to see it, I was too young, and I'm the oldest of the seven kids, and so it was just my mother and father who went to the movie. And I don't need to tell you the story, just know that it was demonic and that it glorified the devil and not God. My mom and dad came home from the movie. And what did my mother do? She literally hung rosaries and crosses in every room of our house. Literally. That's what she did the night that she got home after watching that movie. She hung religious articles around our home because somehow, some way, that was going to protect us from the demons that were in the world. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about religious practice as opposed to real, vital, honest-to-goodness religion. Now, I have in recent days 
when I was at family camp, I was asked to lead a morning devotion and prayer time. <clears throat> and I chose Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 14, or thir- 11, excuse me, 12, 9 through 12, that deals with the Lord's Prayer. And as I was reading that, um, and studying up on it, one of the things that kept continually coming to me was, do not use vain repetition as the pagans are doing. Do not use vain repetition as the pagans are doing. And every commentator that I read said, you know, even, even those Roman Catholics, they say the Our Fathers over and over again, and they say their Hail Marys over and over again. That's just vain repetition. And I struggled with that, because quite honestly, when I have my quiet time with God, I hold a rosary in my hand. And I pray. When I, when I pray the rosary, I pray the, the, um, uh, the, the Our Father, I pray, I don't pray the Hail Marys, but I pray Our Father, then I pray the Jesus Prayer, which is Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Then I pray what is called the lesser doxology. It's the Gloria Patri. It's glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning. It is now and ever shall be world without end. Amen. And I go through the entire rosary as a form of centering prayer. And centering prayer for me, what what the practice is, is it, it helps me to focus my mind on God. It helps me to set aside all of the other stuff and to just... Get myself focused on me and God and nothing else. So, again, I was reading this and saying, well, I, this isn't vain repetition for me. This is, this is me trying to truly get my heart right before God. And so what I'm saying, sharing this with you for, for the reason I'm saying this is, is I don't want you to, I don't want you to, to hear my words and then throw the baby out with the bathwater. Okay? If your religious practice is to say the Our Father as part of your regular prayer time, then don't say, well, Pastor said I can't do that because that's just fake religion. That's not what I'm saying here at all, okay? Anything that you do to honor God with the intent from your heart to honor God is acceptable in God's eyes. The question, the concern comes is when you're doing it just because that's the way it's supposed to be done. Well, I'll give you a for instance of my religiosity and why this verse 7 hit me so hard this morning. Um, I had a pretty full week. Came back home from, from family camp, was still on a, the last two days of my vacation, had my vacation, and Thursday and Friday and Saturday had to hit it hard. Things came up that weren't part of my plan. And it came down to, was it yesterday that I had to go into town and that I met the people? Okay, I totally lost track of days. Um, but yesterday, I was, I was at, um, I was, I had to get my hair cut. That's what it was. I had to get my hair cut. And I had scheduled an appointment at 9.30 with Kathy. And I woke up at like 4 or 5 in the morning. And I was like, I don't have to be up this early. I'm going to go back to sleep. So I went back to sleep, normally getting up at 6.30. I woke up, it was quarter, I was 10 minutes till 9. Kathy's at 9.30, I still have to shower, so I'm going to get dressed up. So I, call, I texted her, I said, I'm going to be up 15 minutes late. She said, that's no problem, but just be here because i got somebody coming at 10. So by the time she finished my hair, and it was after 10 o'clock, I then went over to the coffee shop at the other end of the building and just sat down to have a cup of coffee and just be quiet for a few minutes. Well, while I was in there, this man comes in who has been camping with his family. They're out at Wainwright, but they're out at Red, Rose Hip Campground. And his 
his, the water in their reservoir emptied and they didn't have any more water. So he needed to come and get more water while his family was still at the campground. Well, he pulls up to the coffee shop and he comes in and he says, I need to get water for my trailer. And they're like, okay, <laughs> what do you want us to do? He said, well, you've got a hose right there. Can I just use it? I'll have to call our boss. Well, the boss said no. That's not for customer use. Um, he could use the water at the laundromat. So I came up to him. I said, excuse me, I'm, I'm on the board of the nonprofit. We've got a community center right over here. I could get you some water if you want. He said, okay. So we went over there. We got the garden hose. We filled it up, filled up his reservoir. And I got to visit with him for a few minutes. Um, and then we were driving home. Uh, after he was done, I was driving home. And there's a man right by um, almost down to Swampy Hollows, literally walking away from town towards Pleasant Valley, pulling a pull-behind suitcase and a backpack on his back. And he's pulling. And and I just was like, wow. Ah! So I came up to Bote and turned around and came back down to him. And I said, excuse me, do you need a ride? He said, well, I've got to get to the airport, but I forgot my wallet and my driver's license, and I can't get on a plane without a driver's license. I said, well, get in, and I'll drive you down to your house, and then I'll get you to the airport. All the while, all of this is going on, inside I'm screaming, I have work to do! I've got children's camp to go to in the morning! I haven't finished my sermon! I don't even have my clothes back! God, what are you doing to me? I came into the house and I told Renee, God has me being a good Samaritan this morning, this afternoon. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to do this! I don't want to do this! I want to do what I'm supposed to be doing! Being a good pastor! <laughs> and the Lord kind of zapped me on that because he was giving me opportunities to show the love of Christ to people. He was giving me opportunities to minister in the name of Jesus. And all I could focus on was that I had church work to get done. And I didn't have time for this because it took hours. And then last night... When Marty was working on the van, I still had work to do. But Marty needed to talk. And I was like, oh God, please don't make me do this. Okay, I will. <laughs> not that I didn't want to talk with Marty. I love talking with Marty. But not then. I had work that I had to get done. But, but again, I had to set aside me. And I had to set aside my church stuff. Because I had to minister to the people that God laid before me. And see, if I had said to the Lord, well, I'm sorry, God, but I, I just can't take the time right now to help these people because I have to, I would have been the priest or the Levite in Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan. Wrapping my holy robes around me and not fulfilling the great commandment to love my neighbor as I love myself. The second greatest commandment, to love my neighbor as myself. And so as I was reading this last night, after Marty left, and saying, God, I've tried all day to get to your word and to spend time with you, and it has now almost 10, 30, 11 o'clock, and I'm just now getting into your word. And the Lord was like, yeah, and it's an easy one to talk about. <laughs> And he gave it to me. Well, the one thing, and this is the thing that got me so hard. The one thing that really, really got me when I was reading this. Bring the homeless poor into your house. 
See, the man that was walking along the road, he didn't have any place to go. He didn't have a job. He didn't have a car. He'd only lived here for less than two and a half weeks. He flew up here from another part of the country on a promise, and that promise was reneged upon, and he had nothing. He didn't even have the money to get a plane ticket. He didn't know how he was going to get a plane ticket, but he was going to the airport to try and get a ticket. And as I'm taking him, I thought I heard the Lord say, let him sleep in your house tonight. God, I don't know anything about this guy. And I'm leaving tomorrow to go to kids camp. And you're asking me to bring this guy into my house? I've got a daughter who lives downstairs and a grandson. And I'd be leaving. My, I haven't even had a chance to talk with my wife. But <sighs> And I took him to the rescue mission. I dropped him off. The man had tears in his eyes as I dropped him off. Not because I was leaving him, but because he was in such dire straits. And he had nothing and no places and no one. And this was the best that I could offer him. Except I had a bed in my house. Or worse comes to worse, I could have put him in a room downstairs on a cot. And given him a safe place for a night or two. Because you know what the biggest problem was? This young man less than six weeks ago left a life of alcohol and drugs down in the lower 48 and came up here to get away from it all. And as I'm driving him to the rescue mission, he says to me, I am so worried because I'm in such bad shape right now that I'm just going to get out of this car and going to go in there and I'm going to find the best and fastest way that I can get messed up. And I was like, God, what do I do? Well, the Lord had already said what to do, but I wasn't here in that part. I wouldn't do that because that was inconvenient to me and my house. So I was disobedient. I don't know what would have happened if I had brought him into my home last night. I wish now I could tell you what would have happened because I think I've missed out on a blessing. I think my family has missed out on a blessing and I honestly have no idea what's going to happen with that young man. And I, it's breaking my heart. <laughs> and I read this a couple, three times in the last 24 hours, but... It's very plain. Bring the homeless poor into your house. And then look at verse 14. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. I have to confess to you, my brothers and sisters, that I've been disobedient to my Father in heaven. I didn't do what he asked me to do. It wasn't because I was anything other than selfish. And that's what we have to combat against. Because even we Christians can get into this religiosity and put on a nice show. Stay clean and holy and pure. But forget the other part of what it means to have true and pure religion. And that's to meet the orphan and the widow in their affliction. That's everything I got to say to you this morning. Is there anyone that needs to say something or are we good?
Proverbs 16, 9. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. One of the things that I have become very aware of in the last few days, and I don't mean just yesterday, but I'm talking about the last, last couple, three weeks. I've been a Christian since 1975, so it's been almost 42 years. I'm just shy of 42 years being a Christian. And I, I hate to say it this way, but I pride myself on the fact that I hear God's voice and I know when he's talking to me. But in the last couple, three weeks, there's been two or three times where I missed it. It wasn't that I wasn't praying that day. It wasn't that I was being disobedient or off in sin or anything, but I allowed the busyness of or the other things I was focused on. And after the event, I went, that was you, wasn't it, God? Yep, it was. Very clearly spoke to you. I know you heard me because you even acknowledged that that it was me. But you you didn't do what I wanted. And I would think by now, Bob, after 40, almost two years, we'd be farther along than this. And I'm, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not a spiritual giant at this point, because I am. I'm a spiritual giant after 42 years. At least I'm bigger than I was when I got saved at age 16. But even today, and I was talking about this with Pastor Joe last week uh, when we were at family camp, even as far along as I have been in my Christian walk, there's still more that I need to learn. There's still more growing to be, to do. There's still a lot more. And the thing is, I read the stories of George Mueller. George Mueller's the guy who prayed, down, prayed, prayed fog away and prayed food in. I mean, he, he prayed, happened. No questions. The man of faith. And that's who I aspire. I, like, that's what I want to do. And God's like, well, let's, we could try that. You want to hear, want, want to practice? Listen to what I'm saying and then do what I tell you to do. And then that'll be one more step closer to being like George Mueller. Okay, God. <laughs> and then these things happen. Now, am I going to go to sleep tonight? Yes. Do I feel like God still loves me? Yes. Am I forgiven? Yes. Is it, is it okay? Yes. If I ever see this man again, oh my goodness, I'm going to do anything and everything I can more than what I've already done for him. Not because of a sense of guilt, but because I want to make sure he's successful. And I don't know that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an opportunity lost. There's nothing I can do to go back and fix that. Except be more aware for the future so that I don't miss the next one. And God has positioned each of you in your own little world, with your own little oikos, the eight to ten people that God has put on your heart. But even more than that, God brings people across your path. Things that you're totally oblivious to, and all of a sudden, plump, it's right there in your face, and you go, wow, is this from you, God? Yes, it is. What are you going to do about it? Be my hands, be my feet. What are you going to do about it? And so I encourage you this week, as we close, I encourage you this week, Read between Isaiah 58 verse 1 and Isaiah 58 verse 14 and find out what God wants to say to you. Yes, I have a hand. 
Oh, I can most definitely. Well, and I do have his name and phone number. I don't have anything else, but I have his name and phone number. That's true. So, okay, y'all, Holy Spirit will talk to me about what I need to do. <laughs> uh, God, let's let's just pray. God, thank you, thank you for the heaviness that's here right now. That you you're speaking to each one of us, Lord, about our own world and about our own actions and our own thoughts. And Father, I pray that you would you would hone us this week. That that we're already sharpened. We're already sharpened. We're already a useful tool. But Father, would you hone us and, and get that edge perfectly straight so that when it's time, we can be an effective, clearly effective tool, even better than we've ever been before. Father God, empower us by the, by the presence and the reality of your Holy Spirit with us. Help us to walk, as Isaiah, I mean, as James says, unstained by the pollution of the world. Let us walk in purity and holiness and righteousness. But let us not forget to do the other part. And that's to continue to be on the lookout for the ways that we can be the hands and the feet of Jesus to the people that you bring across our path. Help us, God, this week. Whether we are enjoying a vacation or enjoying camp or whether we are at work or whether we're just out in the garden, whatever it is that you have us doing, God, Help us to be ever vigilant and watching for those opportunities that you bring before us. Help us to be careful to hear your voice and to follow whatever it is that you're teaching us and leading us to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise the Lord.